Welcome to Teach, Play, Love, hosted by Rachel Robertson and Claire Goss. During this episode, you'll hear from experts in the early education field about what really matters and what doesn't during your child's early development. Now, here are your hosts. Hi, Rachel. Happy New Year. Hi, Claire. Happy New Year to you as well. Did you have a good time over the holidays? I did. My children had a break from school, so that was a different kind of a routine (laughs) around Mm -hmm. here, which was fun. And we got some extra sleep, which everyone in this house needed. It's also a little tricky sometimes uh, for the folks in my family to shift into the different patterns that come with those times of year. Yeah. 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 I had a whole different thing myself this year. I have two growing adult daughters and they were in different locations for the holidays for the very first time. So I traveled to them, but we had a lot of discussion about, are we starting something new or is this just this year? So a lot of thinking went into a lot of enjoying just being together, but a lot of are we creating a new routine and, and, um, way of being together or is this just a one year thing? So, um, yeah, it was different, but still good. Well, it sounds like both of our households had to be flexible, which is my super, super snazzy way to transition us into today's time. I knew you'd find a way. I was, I was trying to give you some nuggets and I knew you'd find a way. (laughs) I did. I did it. We're going to kick the year off with a topic that seems to be getting a lot more attention these days. It's become a little bit of a buzzword in our field in recent years, which I find interesting because I think even 10, 15 years ago, this wasn't something I heard people speaking about that much. So today's topic is, drumroll, executive function skills. Yeah. And we, in our day jobs at Bright Horizons, have been talking about executive function for quite a while. But when we first introduced it, we have a, we have a teacher magazine called Spark. And when we first introduced it, a couple of brave souls said things to me like, I thought this was all about like boardroom office skills. And we were why are they sending this out to all the teachers until I had to read it? And I walked in a center and the director and the assistant director were reading it. And they're like, we've never heard of this before. What is this all about? And so it was, it was intentionally an introduction to a sophisticated, but so important set of skills. And, and since then we have done an incredible amount of work around executive function, which I'm sure um, will help inform this conversation today. But it does sound like, what is that? Like how you, how you show up at a, a board meeting or something. And yeah, the answer is yes. sort of right it affects that we talk about that a lot but it's not just that it is um I think often it's called executive function you know there's all those analogies right like it's the CEO of your brain it's that it's right here it's the last thing to form um one of my daughters just turned 25 this year and roughly that's when your executive function is fully developed right so it's not like the day on your birthday it's like ding everybody's brains are fully formed (laughs) Um, but we pretended it was because she knows about brain development too and so we said a celebrate executive function day and um, I told her to make all the greatest decisions of her life that day because she had all the skills she needed (laughs) so uh, but it takes a long time to develop right it's very sophisticated not like that's that part of your brain in the back, that limbic system that's that develops right away. That's the oldest part of our brain. 
But there's like an analogies, right? Uh, I know people say the CEO of your brain or the air traffic controller of your brain. I don't know if you've heard any others, but that's that's a good way to think of it. It's who's in charge up there making those tough decisions? Yeah, it's. I've heard air traffic controller a lot in our field. And I think, so for our listeners who aren't watching the video replay, Rachel was tapping the part of her forehead in between her eyebrows. That's where it sits. It's that prefrontal cortex right in the front. And it just, like you said, it just takes a really long time for that brain construction to kick in. Mm-hmm. And so I find I, air traffic controller metaphor is the one that I really like when I speak to parents about it, because you actually, you totally know anyone, anyone who's listening to this right now, who has ever interacted with a child knows what I'm saying when you, when that child's air traffic controller goes out to lunch, like they're on break, <laughs> they're on vacation, they are not, there's no one flying that plane in that brain. They're not even working yet in some cases, right? Or they're like a really new trainee. Yes. <laughs> they're not, they don't know anything mess. about air traffic. Yes. They've got the best maybe, but that's it. Right. So you can imagine what that would look like in an airport if the air traffic controller was like, nah, I'm just going to come to work in like 25 years. Is that Does that work for everybody? Like, no, in fact, it does not. It is a sloppy mess. So that that metaphor really works well for me. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. just so we're all on the same page for what we're talking about, when we say executive function skills, we're talking about the things that help you be a person in the world in a successful kind of a way. Can you say a little bit more about that, Rachel? Like what types of skills we're talking about today? Yeah, it's really a set of skills, a set of attributes that work together to allow people to make thoughtful decisions and choices, to plan ahead, to be the captain of their own ship, again, like that CEO or air traffic controller. So it's working memory, um, regulation. So you're thinking about, I I feel this way in this situation, or I want to get up, or I want to speak, but I'm going to not do that because I can read the room. I remember the social cues. I'm calling on that working memory. I remember how to behave in this situation. I can modify. I can make decisions in my own best interest that are going to help me meet my goals long term. All of those types of skills, all the little skills that are required to do those things are what make up executive function. Being able to understand multi-step directions, to hold information in your head for a while, and even pull it out when it's relevant to the new situation you're in. So kids, when we give them too many directions or ask them to wait for too long, that those are examples of required executive function skills that they can't actually do. Or if they do, they're using everything they've got for the whole day in that time. You've asked them to do more than they're really capable of. Um, but we have a hard, adults have a hard time. If someone's listening to this and they're in traffic right now, your executive function has to work real hard right now. First of all, because you're doing more than one thing at once and you are probably dealing with some frustration in traffic. So if you respond to that, you're not using your executive function. But if you have an inner feeling and go, it's okay, it's okay, we're all in this together, I'll get home, it's okay, I'm not in a rush, you're using your executive function skills right there. So we're using them all day, all day long. We really rely on them. That's why I think, Claire, you're saying they're the skills of life. They're what help people be successful. You can know a lot of stuff, but if you can't regulate, if you can't plan ahead, if you can't make thoughtful choices and decisions in collaboration with others in your own best interest, doesn't actually matter how much information you know. Those things are the things that really unleash or unlock 
your other skills and talents. Yeah. So every single time I do not interrupt somebody when I know that my idea is correct and theirs is incorrect. Every time I don't, I control my road rage on the Massachusetts Turnpike. Every time I do those things <laughs> as an adult, and those are those are two instances. I just gave you two examples from my real life in the last week that were hard mm-hmm. for me to do, and I'm a middle aged person. Yeah. You think about then a three year old, a five year old, even even our teenagers, right? These are things that children are just lousy at. They are lousy mm-hmm. at them, and you know this if you're a parent or caregiver, right? That they they, they child, young children especially incredibly impulsive terrible at following directions, cannot seem to remember the instructions you've just given them. I mean, (laughs) just, and they have a feeling and that they are going to tell you that feeling, whether it's an appropriate setting or time or not, right? It's just classic poor, poor, low executive function. Executive function, right? They, I mean, the, the awkward, embarrassing question in the middle of the store, that's a lack of inhibition, which is a part of executive function. And it's really helpful to remember that this is by design. This is how our brains develop. So that stuff comes later after everything else has been developed. And that's a good design if you look at, you know, if you go all the way from adulthood and work backwards. But it can be hard when kids don't have those skills. So they they really just don't have them yet. We can help develop them. We can work within their capacities and get a lot from them. We can get all we can out of their developing executive function. And we are definitely going to talk about that, but they just aren't able. It's like a muscle that has, it's just not developed yet. They, they haven't, they don't even, they can't try hard enough. They can't try harder. They can't do something new to develop it. It's just how the development of executive function goes. I do want to acknowledge, though, that we have a lot of uh, different kinds of development, and we talk about neurodiversity a lot on this discuss- in this podcast and our discussions. And a lot of diagnoses and developmental delays or learning delays have to do with executive function. So I just want to acknowledge that sometimes they develop faster. Sometimes they develop slower. Sometimes they don't develop. And that's okay. We're talking about the whole range. We are mostly talking about typical development, but acknowledging and recognize this huge range of executive function and all the supports that children and sometimes adults need. Um, I did want to say something clear, and I just want to make it clear to everyone that you called yourself a middle-aged woman, not me. So let's get that out. Uh, But as a middle-aged woman, um, one of the things I know from talking to researchers about executive function is it's our executive function starts to wither away too, unless we really use it. So it's not like you just get it and then it's theirs, yours for life. A lot of issues that um, much older than middle-aged women, uh, adults have challenges with executive, those are some executive function things, more forgetful, not being able to plan ahead. Not, so it sort of rises as you're growing up and then it starts to go down. So as adults, we should really think about exercising Good, I used that muscle analogy earlier, so exercising our executive function. And we can do that as we're being very patient with our children who don't have any executive function. So to review, you're not born with these skills. You you have opportunities to acquire them. And for Mm -hmm. some folks, that's harder and more work than for others. And then once you get some of these skills, you have to work to keep them. Yeah. Yeah. It's not very fair, is it? <laughs> I know. It's a lot of work. 
Yeah. And, you know, the jobs in the world today and the way we expect of society and access to information, executive function has become more and more important than it ever was before. That long term Mm -hmm. thinking, that decision making, the ability to change and adapt. I'm already to the point in my life where I don't want to learn about a new electronic or a new tool or a new app. Like, do I really need to learn that? That's already, I'm already losing some cognitive flexibility or willingness uh, at least to get involved in, in, in some cognitive flexibility, but be able to change, do something different than what was planned, follow a new idea, whatever that is, that's also executive function. So um, it's re- it, it's very important and more important in this world. So it's, that's partially why we're all paying attention to it more. And brain research is just blossoming. It has been for the last couple of decades. We know so much more. So we have to we have to know more as parents, and we have to do different as as educators and parents too with this information. Yeah, and there's no um, bad time to be working on this with your children. Though there is, we you know we do know from research that there is. Um, there are some bursts in brain development that happen in those mm-hmm. first five years of life. So particular that late toddler into preschool age, around three to five years old, we do know that's a great time to be working on this with your children. There's another great burst in the brain development that happens in adolescence, another wonderful time to be reinforcing these skills. But there's, but there's never, I mean, no matter what age your children are or you are, these are skills you can work on. And we are going to tell you a little bit more about how to work on these skills at home when we come back after a short break. Follow Voice America at Facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. Nothing is more magical than a childhood filled with days of play, learning, exploration, and discovery. At Bright Horizons, we think of childcare as a chance to help a child experience it all. Our teachers go beyond the usual, ensuring your child has an enriching, satisfying day. They take the time to listen, engage, encourage, and celebrate the wins, big and small. At Bright Horizons, we put the care in childcare. Visit BrightHorizons.com to find a center near you. Calling all curious minds, mug pie makers, and yes, silly gooses. The serious business of preschool awaits. At Bright Horizons, preschool sets the stage for school success. We know that children flourish when they can be their own authentic selves. That's why our teachers provide the academic and emotional support to build your child's confidence and love of learning. We even offer flexible schedules. Visit BrightHorizons.com to find a center near you. Find out what makes the most successful people tick. Keep listening to the Voice America Empowerment Channel. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Welcome back to Teach, Play, Love with Rachel Robertson and Claire Goss. We hope this episode is supporting your parenting journey. Now, back to the show. Okay, welcome back, listeners. We were just talking about executive function skills and how deeply important they are for navigating life. Um, There's both short-term and long-term reasons that these are important. We talked a little bit about those in our first segment um, so I hope we have your buy-in for why this is important stuff as a parent and caregiver. 
we just want to talk now for a few minutes about how researchers break down executive function. Um, we've had the privilege of Bright Horizons of learning from lots of researchers about this topic. Dr. Stephanie Carlson, the University of Minnesota, um, has recently been working with us on this. And if our listeners want to learn about her research, I check, check out her website. There's also a great website um, from Harvard University, the Center on the Developing Child. They have some wonderful resources for families about executive function. So check those out. But those, those current researchers break down executive function skills into three subset areas. The first one is cognitive and mental flexibility. So you see this with your children when they're able to move from playtime to snack time. And they know that the behavior expectations at snack time are a little bit different than they were out on the playground. That's, that's cognitive or mental flexibility. You might also see this skill when a preschooler is successfully able to talk to a friend about what they should play next, right? One person has one idea, another person has another idea. They're able to be a little bit flexible with that. Um, the second area of executive function we're going to talk about is working memory. So this is when your child is successfully able to remember the rules to a game, or instructions or directions. If you think about a one-year-old to a four-year-old, there's a huge burst in executive function skills between those two age groups, right? So children are working on this all the time, but it's tricky. Working memory is real tough for young kids and for middle-aged ladies. Um, (laughs) And then the third subset of skills is inhibitory or self-control. So again, something that when we think of young children, like a toddler especially, really they really struggle with with self-control sometimes. That's when you see a child really wants to take a turn, but they, they control that impulse and let someone else take a turn with something that's really fun. Or you just see them kind of resist the impulse to do something, right? Like they really, really, really want to blow bubbles in their milk and make a ju- huge mess. And you see them rethink that and maybe not blow the bubbles in the milk. That's mm-hmm. huge mm-hmm. and a huge executive function win. What I'm hearing you say all this, Claire, what I think of is the opposite is when the child, because more often than not, the child is actually blowing the bubble. So you can see an executive function gap there. So I'm I'm just, the reality of it is, is that most often in the early years, you're not going to see the executive function, but you can now see the times that they do it. And you can also see the times that they don't currently do it. And you can relate that now is not, they're not just trying to be silly or not listening or not trying, or they really are challenged with this executive function development. And, and rightly so it's not because you didn't do what you're supposed to do, or they didn't do what they were supposed to do, or they should just try harder. It's because it's not developed yet, but that's, I think what we're going to talk about next, how to help with that. Yeah. So what would you recommend, Rachel, um, for our listeners who are parenting babies and toddlers? Because you can start this with infants and toddlers. How would you bolster or encourage these executive function Mm -hmm. skills at home? Yeah. I mean, I'm always going to say this about executive function. I say it to teachers and I'll say it to parents or family members is level set your expectations because often the challenge is that we're expecting too much. We're expecting Mm -hmm. a level of executive function that helps with our routine. So we maybe want our kids to get out of the house really quick in the morning. We're flying around the house because we're late and we can't understand why they haven't put their shoes on yet. So that is their challenge by being able to remember the rules or they go up. This happened to me a lot with one of my daughters is they go up to the room to get one thing and you come in the room and they don't have any clothes on (laughs) and you are already (laughs) late for work. Um, So they're just lost. They lost the storyline there. They got distracted by something else. And it wasn't her fault. It was her challenges with executive function. So, um, so you can do things like you can make 
structural things in the routine. Um, this is all for all children, whether they're babies or toddlers or just things, but you can see you have a pretty consistent routine and this helps with a lot of things is so they can start to predict what's next when they feel safe in a routine and they're secure in their relationship or their attachment with the adults in their life, the more willing to try things to use some cognitive flexibility to have there be a change because they start to know, even if they couldn't articulate it, that they can rely on the structure and the routine and the people in their lives. So a little change isn't going to throw them off for infants. They can't really follow directions that much, but they can older infants, toddlers, one step direction. Can you hand me that spoon? <gasps> you, you gave me the spoon. That's to stir whatever, whatever you're making. You stir the soup. Can you hand me the cup? <gasps> now you handed me the cup. You handed me the spoon and now the cup to talk that through, to help them see what they did, even though you're giving it to them in one step directions. You can do little songs and games so they can start to predict um, whether you're doing like itsy bitsy spider, they know what's going to happen next. And maybe you change a little bit, see if they notice, or you can do that with stories. You can change the ending a little bit, see if they notice. You can ask for a little, a little, a little smidge of wait time, not much. Um, but you can make sure if you're asking them to wait, you have something for them to do that's engaging. So mm-hmm. we can't go yet. I need to, I need you to wait for just two minutes and two minutes is going to be a short time. Try to help them understand what two minutes is. Maybe you have a timer. Um, some a sand timer is really helpful for this. Give them a book or Play-Doh or something to keep them busy because that waiting, that impulse control, oh gosh, is it hard. Um, if you've ever seen the marshmallow experiment, a lot of people have, um, you can look it up on YouTube. It is about kids waiting to get a marshmallow. They get a second marshmallow if they can just hold on and not eat the first marshmallow. And it's so funny, right? But it also shows you all the coping skills children have when they're asked to do something like that. The older they are, the better they can do it. So kids are rocking back and forth or drumming on things or smelling the marshmallows. And that's the kind of stuff that you might see your child, your young child starting to do. And that tells you that's actually a good thing. They're figuring out coping strategies to resist their impulses. So if they were doing something like sniffing food that they had to wait for, instead of thinking, oh, why are they doing that? They're going to make a mess. Think like, wow, they're using some impulse control strategies. This is self-regulation, budding. That's a thing to celebrate and and even out loud acknowledge that they're doing that. Um, we always talk, and this, this will be my last one, Claire. I'm sure you have some things to add. Um, we always talk about narrating our own behaviors or children's behaviors out loud. That's good for everything, but telling them when they've waited successfully or when they used a strategy or I see you're excited. You're flailing your hands around. That tells me you're excited. One more moment and I'm going to take you outside. Oh, you waited. Look what's happening. We're outside together or narrating your own thoughts of, oh, I'm real disappointed. But we're just going to wait here. What can we do while we're waiting so we don't get so frustrated? Mm-hmm. Maybe we can read a book together. Just that kind of stuff. No, even when they're non-verbal, just telling them what they're doing and telling them what you're doing because they can't see all those cognitive processes out loud. You have to tell them what's happening in your brain so they can learn from them. That reminds me that narrating things out loud is, or you can also narrate things that just happened with your baby or young toddler and that helps them with their working memory. 
So you can mm-hmm. be narrating things yeah. like, um, you know, oh, I just dropped the, the spoon on the floor. That was silly of me. Now I'm going to wipe it off. Okay, now I'm going to stir the, stir the pot. Do you remember how I just dropped that spoon on the floor? That was so silly of me. What, what an act, you know, and just little tidbits like that. Like, do you, and, and if for those of you who have older, slightly older infants and toddlers, you can say things like, do you remember when we were driving home from Bright Horizons today and we saw that fire truck pass our car? Do you remember what it was doing? And that's, that's maybe an easy for, for a toddler to say, oh yeah, like the lights or the side of the make mm-hmm. woo, woo, you know, that's working memory. You're working on your child's executive function skills. And that's mm-hmm. not just the only thing that's happening. You're also working on language development. You're working on communication skills. You're working on um, your loving bond with your child just by talking about your day. But guess what? Yeah. It's also executive function. Executive function. Yeah, that's a good point. And I you know one of the challenges a lot of parents have is I ask my child how their day was and they don't tell me anything. Part of the challenge there is you're asking too big of a question. So find out some things that they did during the day and ask them for recall or to tell you some details. There's some good working memory. So you're giving them a fair prompt is I saw that you did some finger painting today. I saw a picture of your finger painting and I saw a lot of colors. Tell me about that. Do you remember what you were doing and how you made those choices? Just breaking it up for them. So they instantly connected to a a personal experience and you've given them something concrete to focus on. They might still not remember why they chose to use blue or whatever it is, but they will start (laughs) to work on that. And that's that working memory isn't working memory is not the same as short term memory. Short term memory is the things you're trying to remember in the moment. Working memory is can you pull something out from the archives Mm -hmm. and the more sophisticated it gets. You, you take new information and connect it with existing information and make something even different. So um, it gets right. more complex over time. But yeah, that's great. We're playing playing games that about memories, like we're going to yeah. turn the corner. What are we going to see on the corner? What do we always see? Things, predictive exactly. things. Yeah. So so as we're moving in through childhood into those preschool and, and pre-kindergarten years, what you just said, that right there is, I think, one of the best... Um, strategies is just tell, ask them to tell a story about their day. And like you said, don't overshoot here. We're talking <laughs> about three, four, five-year-olds. You know, what do you know happened today? They, they went outside. You saw that, the te- that you saw that when you picked up your child, they went outside today. It was on the, or you, the teacher said, oh, she had a great time at the water table today or whatever it is. Use that to, to, to build up that complex organization of information in their head. Right. So you get home and you can say, would you like to get the, the, a pot out with some water, just like you did at school today? Right. Can you, would you remember what you, you know, what can we do at, at home that was a lot like what we did at school? Movement games. We talked about um, peekaboo or itsy bitsy spider for infants and, and babies and toddlers. Your bigger kids, red light, green light. Such a great mm-hmm. executive function game. And children love it because it involves those big body movements that they crave. And we're, what it's helping build the working memory. They're organizing really complicated information and it's fun working mm-hmm. the skill. And it's fun. I mean that, yeah, that's a, such a good game because you have to always anticipate, you have to predict, you start to get the sense of who's, who's the person doing red light, green light calling. Are they going to go fast? Are they going to go slow? What has this person done in the past? What am I capable of? Do I have any secret moves I'm going to pull out here? Like it's so complex that game, even though it seems so simple. Yeah. It's so much, there's so much inhibitory control involved. There's so much flexibility, so much flexibility, right? 
right. and the impulse. Right. Yeah, just so much impulse control. Um, yeah. Other things you can do at home with these age kids, you can do cooking projects. We like again, there's so much wonderful, so many wonderful good things happening when you're doing messing around in the kitchen with your kids. It's great for again language development, math and science skills. But it, guess what else it does? It takes a lot of focus and attention to cook something. Um, following a recipe that's hard to do again for adults and for kids. So you really have to kind of stick with it. You have to be a little bit invested in it. I, I encourage you to make it fun and they're going to make a mistake and, and they're going to have to ask you five times, how many, how many cups, how many, wait, and they're going to keep asking you and you're going to keep gently reminding them. Oh, remember we just said we were going to put one cup of flour in, not five cups of flour, right? Yeah, right. Um, just really good practice for them. Yeah. And, and then there's a couple other things that you could, so good. You just gave a good segue to a strategy or a practice that I like to use in classrooms or when I was a teacher um, where you do it. I think we would call it more like an infographic now, but a chart that visually shows a child what the expectation is. So we used to do things. So we'd have an activity that we wanted children to be able to do if they wanted to choose to do that activity. And we'd have a visual direction. So first you do this, this and you do this, then you do this three steps for preschoolers. That's your max. And they could self-help, which are is also good for executive function, Mm -hmm. but they could go back and they can refer to a chart. So you don't, as the adult have to answer that same question over and over. And if you're in a classroom, you're going to have that same question from 20 children at once. So you want to, you want you out of necessity, you want to do things like that, but it's actually really good for them. So we have that near hand washing sinks. Of course we're supervising children when they're hand washing, but we also have a visual step-by-step process. We do that with our schedules for the day. So children can go refer to it when they're making a choice in a different part of the classroom. So they can see that they've made a choice and refer to that, see what their options are. So that's a really good practice that takes some off of you, but, but, really recognizes where they are developmentally mm-hmm. and helps them. And even for older children, if they're challenged with executive function skills, just how to get out the door in the class, in the, in the morning, yeah. first you get dressed first. Well, maybe first you brush your teeth or whatever the steps are, brush your hair, however detailed you have to get with it, get your backpack, get your shoes, mm-hmm. put it in an order, have them put it in an order. So it's easier to get out of the house every day with my daughter that like to uh, do a quick switch on me. If I sent her up to her room to get something <laughs> we had, we just put a new strategies in place. So we we're going to pick out clothes the week before we're going to put them on hangers for the week. And that made a big, mm-hmm. that made a big difference in it just to help her figure out her own regulation strategy that was going to work. Um, yeah. I want to say, Claire, before before we get too far away from this, too, is the um, that it can be this can be frustrating. Again, like we just talked mm-hmm. about, like your kids can't wait. They can't settle down. They get real frustrated because they want something and we can give into that. So we're at the store and they're flipping out because they want something. Right. And they and are a natural instinct for a lot of families is, Oh, let's just quiet this down. It's just this one time. Let's, let's um, give them the thing. But you are, maybe you have asked for too much. Maybe you have Mm -hmm. for too much executive function and you have to make a decision based on that, but you are also not giving them the opportunity to flex those executive function Mm -hmm. muscles Mm -hmm. if you fix it for them. So 
thinking about the age of your child and you know your child, you know if they're going to, they're likely to have a hard time in the store. Is it late at night? Have they not slept well? All the things you have to think about. But talking about what to expect when you go in to the store and fulfilling that promise and helping them ahead of time, long before you ever get to that store with proactive strategies for what to do when they're disappointed, when they can't get exactly what they want. Maybe you do get them every five trips, we get one toy. And then you have a visual way of marking that, or you can help me choose what we have for dinner tomorrow. What do they get to do? What can they expect? And then follow Mm -hmm. through on that because you don't, like other things, right? You, I know you have plenty of stories of this is if you solve your child's problems for them every time, again, remember, you have to, you know, differentiate, modulate and think about their development. But if you solve their problems, you're taking away opportunities for them to build these skills. Yeah, I love that you mentioned that, Rachel. And we always talk on this podcast about meeting your children where they are, and then challenging them in the way that makes sense. And I think it's also really important to remember that, you, of course, you're not going to get it right every time as a parent. And your children are, I just want to emphasize, they're, like you said, they're going to be, there's, it's really easy to see the gaps in executive function, those first five to, you know, 25 years of life. There's a lot of gaps. And it feels like your child is giving you a hard time. And it's just a great time. Tap, you can do it right to yourself. You can tap yourself right in the forehead and say, oh, that prefrontal cortex. It's, you know, it's having a meltdown. My child is melting down. They're not giving me a hard time. They're having a hard time. Mm-hmm. You can just totally, you can say, you know what, Rachel and Claire said, I can, yeah, I, I'm just going to blame that prefrontal cortex. My child is awesome. They are a loving, wonderful kid. They are having a tricky time right now with these skills. These are tough, tough skills. Mm-hmm. Yep. And they don't need us to add to the trickiness of making them, oh, well, now you're going to have to wait longer or, oh, now that thing I said you were going to get, you're not going to get and now be so extra disappointed and lose even more ability for control. Again, you know, you you're in the situation yourself as a parent, you know, your child, sometimes you're going to make choices in the moment. Sometimes it is exactly the right thing to do to say, you know what, I said this, but I'm going to do this. And that is up to you. And I did it a zillion times. Um, I'm sure I'll still do it uh, a zillion times more with my children. So with all that full empathy and understanding for being in the thick of it as a parent in the general, most of the time, if you're thinking about those things ahead of time and understanding by solving it quickly or removing the barrier or the request to wait at all or have to deal with that at all, that you were, they're not going to be able to build those skills, then they're going to have a harder time later on. That's right. That's right. And I would say too, one of the other things, and this is another big thing that we're doing at Bright Horizons is building the skill of mindfulness. And it doesn't have to be, we're not talking about 20 minute meditations. We're talking about those little five deep breaths or circle breaths, triangle breaths or a pausing and thinking of a place that makes you happy or count count five sensory things you see in the moment. There's so many ways to find out about good developmentally age-appropriate mindfulness activities that are short, but we encourage those for two reasons. One is they actually have a strong correlation with executive function. So when you're, like we have been talking about, they're complicated skills, hard to access when you're frustrated or angry. That's the back of your brain going, let's fight, let's let's run away, let's do whatever. Um, and in order for executive function skills to take over, you have to have a somewhat calm brain. 
The other thing we really want and practice in our classrooms daily is so children and teachers have access to these skills when they need them. So you should do them all the time when you don't need them, because then when you need them, (laughs) children even think of it. I promise you, I go in our classrooms, I hear from teachers all the time that are saying, the child recommended I do the bare breath or the, because someone, (laughs) something was happening. So children love these tools and techniques and they're really easy for them to do. So um, I give you that as a strategy for the moments when it it isn't going well, but do it before, do it before. (laughs) Don't just start going, Let's all do the bear breath when you're all stressed yes. out. Just have that in your back pocket. <laughs> I've definitely had one of my kids say, Mom, do you need to go sit on the couch and do some belly breaths? I'm like, well, well, if you're telling me that, it's probably too late. But yeah, you know, it's not yeah, going to hurt. Yeah. Let's, let's go sit down and do a belly breath together. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, they're so wise. So I love talking about executive function. I met Stephanie Carlson uh, almost a decade ago, I think, at this point. I've been following her work and research since then. She's on her advisory council. I learned from her as much as I can. We co-authored an article together and have presented together on this topic. So I just love talking about her work. But I also really value how much it's becoming in the mainstream now. We're all hearing about it. And just the gift to talk to the listeners today about this really important, complicated, valuable set of skills that once you understand, they're maybe not as complicated and you can have a little fun with working on your own while you support your child's executive function development. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Teach, Play, Love. We hope today's content has been inspirational and helped support your parenting. Until next time.